comes to talking about business um, and organizational life, we have some terms I think most of us recognize in some way or another. Uh, and even if we don't use these terms all the time, they're probably familiar to you. Things like margin, uh, revenue, profit, effectiveness, meetings, <laughs> systems, products, services. We know these words, but when it comes to our investment in others, I honestly don't think we have great words. Um, at least we don't have a we don't have common words or a common language sometimes that we all understand. And I, it caused me to think like, why is that? Why is it that we we don't have common words? And why is it more difficult to find those words that get at the heart of what it means to develop people, to invest in them, and to grow their capacity to perform? while never missing out on the importance of understanding who they are. And sure, we have some words. We I know there's words out there that we use, but I'm talking about words we use in comics. We're, we throw a lot of things out there. We have words like empathy, which is actually the topic for next week. We're going to get into that. Uh, and compassion and kindness and communication. Um, but what are the words we have for our goals of showing cons continual consideration for those we work with every day? I think it's likely difficult because it's human. And when you combine human with organizational things, it gets a little more complicated. I think it's easy to find common words for things, but much more much more complicated to find words for people, their hearts and their like their whole selves. We do have words, but I would argue we don't all really know what they mean. And it's why I believe that a whole perspective on people is something that we we have to push. Like it's it's time. It's time to go straight at the reality that we will never be fulfilled or reach the mountaintops of our existence that we so desperately desire to conquer outside of normalizing the reality that seeing our people better must be something we keep working on. And to that end, I'd love to invite you to think about someone in your past with, with whom you worked who saw you, someone with whom you worked, who saw you, someone who understood what was important to you, listened to you, and even saw you for the things you couldn't articulate yet yourself. A person uh, who saw not only who you are, but maybe even who you might become. They saw your heart, your motivations, your competence, your performance, your shortcomings and weaknesses, and maybe even put all that together in a way that helped you become even more effective on the job, on your team, or in life. Who comes to mind for you? Just keep them in mind. Let's jump into the wild conversation. I am Dr. Rob McKenna, and welcome to the wild conversation, where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership, and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. And today we're launching a new series on seeing your people. And then you like how we put that little better uh, in parentheses after that. And the assumption with the better part is that we could all do a better job of seeing our people. We're going to go at some really important topics over the next few weeks that are being talked about so often, but maybe not at the level of depth that we're going to. And I think there's a necessity for some depth. And I don't mean depth as in more but depth as in whole, a whole perspective on empathy, 
on listening, and even a very practical and transformational perspective on coaching and how we might all become better coaches with the people that we work with. Um, I think it's going to be an incredible series. And today we're talking about the research that changed our world regarding seeing our people. Um, but this is not going to be all about research. Um, we're going to get into some practical pieces as well. And so um, I asked you to think about that person. And when I think about the most important people who had a significant investment in me with whom I work, I often think about a man named Kim Guerra. And to his students, he was a prof he was Professor Guerra. And when I first became a business school professor and department chair at the ripe old age of 25, and it was absolutely as ridiculous as it sounds, um, he was also a department chair whose office was right next to mine. And uh, I spent so many hours sitting across from Kim's desk, debating, laughing, getting advice, arguing over different things. And I'll never forget one of his deepest convictions was that lie detector tests should always be legal in the selection process. Like we had these ongoing debates about whether or not that should be allowed. And uh, and so we spent this time doing that. And this, this was because Kim had been ripped off by an employee who was stealing from him in the past. And so he'd read some research about the power of lie detectors. And to me, Kim was one of the most important influences on my life and career as a professor and business person. And while Kim and I didn't always agree, that's not the point. I respected him for the strength of his convictions and even more importantly, for the motive in his convictions. He was fundamentally about service. He understood sacrifice as a leader. And if I had to pick one word to describe his presence with me, it would be that he was steadfast. Um, Kim was nearly impossible to shake. He was serious about his work with students and business people, yet he also laughed at his own silliness with a calm and uh, contagious chuckle that I can still hear today. And his, his steadfast presence often showed itself in his eyes. When he looked at you, he was attempting to understand you and lead you, but his eyes always communicated an unshakable faith in me. And in the power of the present moments when we would sit together, like these moments were so powerful for me. And in essence, Kim Guerra saw me in a way and at a time when it just hadn't been like that for me, outside of maybe some key family members. And the tragedy of Kim's mentoring in my life is that he died of a stroke at the age of 50. And yet he left a marker and inspiration in my life that I, I carry forward. And at Kim's memorial service, Hundreds of people commented on his humor. It was just people after people kept coming. It was one of those services that wouldn't end on his guidance, on his friendship, on his love for others, and how he saw them. Kim Guerra saw people. He saw them for something more than their effectiveness, their successes or failures. And all, all those, those things mattered to him. I'll always remember him for the, that steadfast look in his eyes. And the, the powerful thing about him, it was like, Recently, I actually caught my own eyes in a mirror and I, I was I see that every once in a while I think of him and I think of Kim's eyes. And while I usually would have looked, I look away, you know, when I catch yourself in the mirror from that familiar stranger in the mirror, because looking at yourself is embarrassing in a weird sort of way. I couldn't help but wonder whether those I lead see what they see or how they believe that I see them. Um, it's one of the deepest aspirations I have to see people and that that I serve and work with better. And that's Kim's legacy with me. He wasn't perfect, but he was present. He didn't just see business for business, but he saw me. And at his memorial service, um, I, he saw so many people, as I said. And 
when I really reflect on the conversations we have, I we had, I remember that Kim made some hard calls related to me. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little transparent and say that in fact I won't get into this all right now, but in my last conversation with Kim before he had his stroke a couple of days later, I was very close to being fired because of things related to my performance or and that's the way Kim saw it. And in all truth, it was a moment where I realized that what I was being asked to do was not a fit for me. And it was nothing related to ethics of the organization, but more related to where I was being called next. And my point was this, that Kim seeing me was more than simply seeing me accurately all the time or simply caring for me. His care was always occurring within a larger work context and within a context of my effectiveness as a professor and a department chair and as a representative of our business school and a university. And so I tell you that because what in the world does Kim Guerra's, you know, um, past and my past there have to do with the research that changed our world? And a few weeks ago, the wild conversation was titled The Evolution of Leadership Development. It was, honestly, I think it was one of my favorite wild conversations ever. I took a risk that uh, that week to take the nearly 100 years of research on leadership, leaders, and leader development and put all those scientists, theorists, practitioners, and great thinkers into a functional party together, which some of you will remember. A kegger, if you will. I don't know if I have to call it that, but it was just a big, I just put them in the middle of a big party. Um, and if you were there, you will we'll provide the links to the podcast and the YouTube uh, uh, of that where you can see it or hear it. And the real storyline, the reason why I bring that up of that fictional house party, it was, it was based on a non-fictional story of the leadership research that is still driving everything today. And I think that the main storyline is twofold. It's this, the leaders don't lead in a vacuum. This was a big thing that occurred in the research that followers matter, that there's a, there's an interesting dynamic that occurs there. And then also the second thing is this, that leading well is not only about clear structures and direction, but also about consideration and care for others. That we have to do both. That's what the research says. So that's the trailer for that. If you want to go check it out, I, I encourage you to, because it was actually a ton of fun. Um, but I want to dig deeper today into what consideration is all about. Uh, while never ignoring the reality that seeing others alone isn't enough. It's that the structuring of tasks and jobs and goals and systems will always matter, but will always be limited by our simultaneous capacity to invest in our people, to feel what they feel, to listen to them, and to see them better. I think that's my main theme today is that we must do both. We must do both. And the reason why I love this community is because I, I just, you know, I hope some of you are shaking your heads and I'm looking at the screen. So I, you know, I can see if you are, but it's like, do you get that? Like, we must do both. It is not a, like, it's not a full picture to just tell leaders to be compassionate. And it matters so deeply. I'm, what I'm saying is like our budgets affect the things of the heart. Our capacity to see people, to show consideration, to be kind is so critical. And, and I we, we titled this week, like the research that changed our world. It's It should not be rocket science, but there's some great science behind this. And this goes way back, way back for decades. Like I said, almost a century. And I want to tell you what the two things were called originally. They were called consideration and initiating structure. And it was like this finding 
that what leader, like even leadership um, behaviors or leader habits or leader tendencies that we typically kind of, I would say this, we're not going to get into this today, but that we do have a tendency to go one way or the other. But let me just read you some of these descriptions. These are some of the things out of the literature. Consideration is the extent to which a leader exhibits concern for the welfare of, of members of the group. And uh, this is researchy language. This factor is oriented towards interpersonal relationships, mutual trust, and friendship. This leadership style, which is what sometimes is called, is people-oriented. And some of the statements used to measure this are things like being friendly, treating all group members as, their, as, the, as equals, looking out for the personal welfare of group members, making... Um, making themselves accessible to group members. So that's this this consideration part, right? It sounds kind of mechanical, but there's some deep stuff in that when we think about the heart behind what it means to actually see people that way. Here's the other part, initiating structure. Initiating structure is the extent to which a leader defines leader and group member roles, initiates actions, organizes activities, puts systems in place, and defines how tasks are to be accomplished by the group. This is a task-oriented leadership style. And some of the statements used for this one are things like this. Letting group members know what is expected of them. Maintaining definite standards of performance. Scheduling the work to be done. Checking that group members follow standard rules and regulations. So we got consideration and task, right? And in, those, in that research and those deeper findings, Initiating structure and consideration are often, they're described as leadership styles sometimes, but here's what the, the big finding that we now know is true, is that leaders must do both and fi or find people that can help them provide both. And the whole story is that certain moments may require more than one over the other. But in the end, the whole story is that we must do both. To see people better is to think in a more integrated way as opposed to a linear way. The posts that are out there about compassion and care will never be enough to see people well, especially within their larger work context. We we have like sometimes we've pivoted to things like compassion and care and empathy on LinkedIn or Instagram because we have historically failed on the side of consideration. You know what I mean? Like I think that's probably why we're seeing so much about that is we've we kind of have failed to see people well and overfocused on task. And I think the research would actually mimic and echo some of that a lot of the, the business literature was very much focused on effectiveness and then we realize there's more to this nonetheless like we cannot dismiss the need for task and structural clarity or we will once again miss the reality and i i know that you all know this is true you can't run your organization without clearer and clearer structures budgets and systems and you cannot be the leader you aspire to be without seeing your people better and showing consideration at the same time. And that is the storyline of the wild conversation, I think, from what we've been doing together as a community. If there is a truth that every single leadership expert keynoting out there is going to talk about in one way or another, and I would say at least the one's worth the price of entry to hear him speak, it's that we must provide structure and clarity. We must structure the work and we must see the people. And a system for structuring the work absent, a system for seeing the people will not get us all the way to our goals. And I want to just give you an example of this, give you three words, just as a, just as sort of a muse for this. These are words we're going to work with over the next, next few weeks. So I'll, let me deal with two of them over the next couple of weeks. And I'd like you to have to think about, as I, if you give you these two words, I'd like you to think about your association with the opposite. 
What would you say is the opposite of these words? Are you ready? We're ready for this, okay? The first word is empathy. Write that down. What is the opposite of empathy in your mind? And the second word is listening. What is the opposite of listening? I, I tested this out this week, and in so many cases, when we think of empathy, oftentimes we consider the opposite to be mean or aloof or maybe even cold. And I think sometimes when we think of the opposite of listening, what we often think about is talking. <laughs> and, I, and I get that too. And so I, as you think about your consideration of the opposite, I, I want you to just, just for a moment, let me provoke you. If you were, if you kind of leaned in that way, when we shift from an adversarial perspective to a whole perspective, I think what we realize is that all the things that we associate with seeing people better um, live in a healthy tension with managing people and systems better. And from that perspective, I'm not sure that meanness is the opposite of empathy, that maybe directness is the opposite, that maybe talking isn't the opposite of listening, that maybe conviction is the opposite. And being so that so that I'm just inviting us to see this possibility that these things that we we offer on the side of consideration live in a necessary tension with something else that's so important for us to embrace as well. Um, and why is this important? And I think it's important because of this. To see people whole is to see who they are as well as what they do. It means managing them well and seeing what matters most to them at the same time. That a whole perspective on seeing people better means that we're responsible as their leaders for the effectiveness and their outcomes, but can never lose our ability to see them for the value they bring that is far beyond their effectiveness. And that's where we're going in the com coming weeks. And I, I believe this so deeply, you all. Every organization has an issue with actually seeing their people whole. And at Wild Leaders, we solve that. And I say that with conviction because it's what we do. And I would say this, anybody that's new or not new, when you're ready, reach out to us. Or if you were invited here because you were invited by one of our strategic affiliates or a coach, reach out to them. These are people who understand what I'm talking about today, that we've, we've got something we've got to get done. And as we get done it, get that done, we cannot lose sight of our people. And so as, as we launch into this today, I want, I'm going to give you a couple things to think about, maybe to prime the conversation, because I don't know. Those of you that are new, the wild conversation goes where it goes, because we, we just crowdsource wisdom together. But here's a couple of primers, if you want them. When it comes to seeing your people better, where are you most challenged? What would it look like if you were seeing your people whole, seeing them for their competence, their character, their needs, their aspirations, and even seeing their blind spots and weaknesses? What would change if you saw each of your people more whole? And where are you most challenged to do that? That's kind of the, if you need, if you want a little bit of fodder or a place to, to uh, a question to, to mess with, that's one for you. So with that, let us keep the wild conversation going. Thank you for listening to this wild conversation. To join our live wild conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.